And now I guess he feels a little bit emboldened. He must be careful with what he says. I think we've got to see that a riot is the language of the unheard. Uh, racism is essentially a white problem. For you to understand what racism is about, you're going to be so uncomfortable. As Christians, we love the homosexual and the transgender. Homosexuality is sin. You know, everybody's like, you taught that from school, everywhere. Big business, you want to be successful, you want to be like Trump. Gimme, 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 push, 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 push. Step, 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 crush, crush, crush. This is Profane Faith, a podcast that engages faith on the margins. Faith that has been labeled profane, nonconformist, and or out there. We'll be exploring the intersections of the sacred, secular, and profane to find God. We won't be trying to answer difficult questions. Rather, we'll be engaging them and asking better ones regarding faith, race, gender, and religion. I'm your host, Daniel White Hodge. Chosen what I call wedge issues to say that unless you vote Republican, unless you vote conservative, you are violating God's law regarding these important issues. And sadly, there are some black folk who have bought into that. Mm-hmm. Our pushback against that is, first of all, their pro-life stance is not truly pro-life. It's anti-abortion because you cannot be pro-life and then uh, tout the death penalty, justify the extrajudicial murder of black people every time a cop kills an unarmed black person. Ignore the infant mortality rate. Try to take health care away from millions of people who without it uh, would be literally fighting for their life because they don't have the medicine and the care uh, to keep them alive. So on every other front, you have no problem with black and brown people people dying, but you want them to be born, only to be born into an America that you then push policies that say, we're not going to provide WIC, we're not going to provide health care, and then you demonize those same mothers that you want to have those children, once those children come into the world as being irresponsible, and you send them out on their own. They're not truly pro-life. Whew. All right, fam. Um, here we are. Um, another week. And uh wow. Whew, yeah. Um, well, hope you enjoyed that little uh video clip there here at the beginning. Um, well, it wasn't video, it's audio. This is all audio. Um, but it came from a video um of some audio um of a podcast, uh, you know, talking about, you know, some of the issues that I would imagine most of my listeners are engaged with right now. And that is, of course, the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. Um, There's a few things. I mean, this this episode this week obviously isn't going to deal directly with that. I'm actually putting together an episode right now to, to, to engage that because I know that within a lot of religious spheres, um, you know, the idea and notion of pro-life sounds really good right on paper it sounds really good right protecting the unborn um protect the babies you know i mean in, and and this is something i've seen pretty much all of my life right in terms of um the the advertisement against abortion um i mean you just here in the midwest you can drive down any of these interstates and you know you'll see signs that says you know a baby's heartbeat starts at this you know and Here's the thing. I mean, there's this there are a lot of 
different folks who feel differently right about it right it's like you think about somebody killing a baby right the most innocence of life um but i always ask myself the question is like well which babies are we really caring about um and that's part of what you know that obviously this this the, the clip that i was showing you here the clip itself is uh from teslin figaro i might be butchering that name um independent voter uh or in, excuse me independent voice straight no chaser uh podcast um and uh yeah they were again talking about you know these, these components of of uh you know of what what the idea and notion of of, of pro-life is so much more complex um, and we know this. I'm, I would imagine most of my, my my listeners on this podcast know that, you know, life is much more complicated than just, you know, having every baby be born into society, um, especially when there are the other double standards that exist. Right. Um, we already know that the right um, didn't want to wear masks. And we're using some of the same arguments about, um, you know, my body, my choice. Um, with a global pandemic, okay, mind you, uh, you know, talking about again life and 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 spreading a a uh, a, a, a spreading COVID, right? The the um, what did they name it? The um, novel, right? A novel virus, right? But I don't want to wear a mask. This this thing ain't even real. My body, my choice. And here's the thing: I I'm I, I'm I'm hard on pro choice, so it's like. I actually supported a lot of that stuff, right? <laughs> it's like, hey, you're right, your body no choice. But when it swings back around, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, uh, bruh, this is so this is bigger. We know that. We know that. Those of us who think <laughs> and read a little bit, um, uh, we know that this is much more complicated than just um a person living. Uh, you know, and I know this is driven by, you know, power. Um, and this is driven by a, you know, a, it's driven by a very organized set of folks who have committed themselves, um, to really working within the components of how power works in this country, right? Uh, is, is not really on social media. That's just, that's theatrics. Um, it's not even in a nice movie. Again, theatrics and performance, um, but it is in organizing, your, you know, the people that think and believe like you uh, in courts, um, setting that up, setting up, you know, laws and rules. And it was a painstaking. Um, for, well, really, I was going to say 50 years, you know, from the time that Roe v. Wade was uh, was put in place. But in reality, um you know, the, the, the conservatives didn't give a shit about um, pro-life. They didn't give a shit about any of that stuff. It really wasn't until the 80s uh, when you started thinking about how it became politicized and, you know, the satanic panic and all that stuff, you know, started coming out. That's when and there's a history behind this. And I don't, I'm not going to go into all the history. Um, I will have some clips of that. And if you haven't heard uh, Lisa Sharon Harper's position and not even position, but just her explanation of how abortion, it, you know, developed and how it really is anti-black. Um, yeah, you need to do that. I, I'm going to find the link and I'm going to put that in the the show notes. She was, it was not her, her, it was not the show that I had her on this season. I think it was two seasons ago. Um, she came on to talk and uh, she, you know, she was sharing about just um, 
you know, what, you know, just kind of the history of that. So, again, I think it's important to go through and really understand what is happening, right? Because let's think about it. I mean, I'm, I'm sure by now all of us know about, you know, the the court opinion essay that, you know, Clarence, Judge Clarence Thomas uh, put out, right? You know, in terms of let's go overdue. Uh, over, you know, let's go relook at. He didn't say undo, but let's go relook at, reexamine. I think was the language he used uh, in regards to, um, yeah, he was like, let's reexamine uh, basically gay marriage and right to contraception. So, on the surface, it looks like, oh, well, you know, again, these are just, these are just, we got to look at what's what's the law of the land. That's bullshit. That has nothing to do with the law of the land. This is something that the conservative right has wanted for a long time. Never mistake it. You can criticize, uh, you know, fundamentalist Muslim nations all you want about how they treat women and about how this and you don't like their beliefs. Part of it is because Muslim religion is, you know, by and large been untainted, untainted and un untouched by white colonial hands. Um, you know what I'm saying? And uh, but there are plenty of folks who would love to have uh, those type of laws based in fundamental Christianity in this country. All right. And this that is a large part of what this is about, because if we really cared about right to life and pro-life. There would be systems in place, period, point blank systems in place. And don't try to tell me, oh, well, there's the foster system and that. Nigga, you ain't been through the foster system if you if you don't know what the hell the foster system is about. The foster system is fucked, man. Yeah, and, and, we, and we know that. Y'all know that. And if you've been through the system, you already know. And sure, you got a couple of survivors that came through and ended up with decent families and whatnot. But black and brown kids get put to the back, get thrown out. In this country, we say once you turn 18, that's it. You an adult. Go figure it out. You know, and don't ask for no damn uh, money, no help, no health insurance. Damn sure don't know health insurance, right? Um... And, you know, with uh, everything going up, all the prices, I mean, I, again, this is much bigger than just pro-life. And then we haven't even had the conversation around guns, especially, you know, those who are on the right. And uh, y'all know I'm, you know, very pro-gun uh, on this show. But what I'm not is, is the, the, the loving, really lust around guns and the second amendment and what that you know meant for you know means for them and whatnot so that's that's what i'm not against i'm not it's like i'm not gonna die with my gun right from my cold dead hands so i'm not no um but i do think it's important uh to note again the the ironies right it's like we don't want to do anything about Uvalde. We don't do anything about Buffalo. We don't do countless amounts of mass shootings, but we're still pro-life, right? We're still pro-life, uh, you know, death penalty. We're still very much death penalty. And if that's the case, let's take logic and, and, you know, and follow that out. Let's get rid of the military then, right? Because the military is, is known to kill and take out, but we're not, we're not going to, we're not ready to do that. What? No. So, there was a good article uh, that came out in um, Time Magazine. I I'll try to post it. I, I don't know. This was it was on my news and I don't know which which y'all have in terms of, you know, access. Uh, but it was in Time Magazine by Charlotte Alter uh, came out on June 24th. It's called the title is The Failure of the Feminist Industrial Complex. It's a good read. It's a good read. It's um, 
I don't necessarily agree with everything uh, that Charlotte is talking about in this article, but there are some points that I wanted to make um, in regards to what what she's talking about in this article. Uh, in one part, she says the fall of Roe exposes a crack in the foundation of mainstream liberal feminism that has dominated the past decade. This version of feminism is that the fourth wave has been preoccupied with individual achievements, feel good symbolism and cultural representation. It has in turn paid too little attention to the thorny mechanics of federal courts and state legislative races. Many fourth waivers presumed that reproductive rights were basically secure and that therefore the remaining obstacles for women were not legal or political, but cultural and emotional. Every time a woman won an Oscar or released a hit album or got a big promotion, the refrain was the same. Representation matters. Of course it matters. Of course it should be cheered. But somewhere along the way, many in the mainstream feminist movement convinced themselves that the soft power of cultural representation seemed as important as the hard power of votes and seats. Empowerment became not a means to an ends, but the end in itself. Many feminists, particularly rich, white, well-educated ones, assumed that changing hearts and minds was the difficult part. In a functioning democracy, winning seats and writing laws would inevitably follow. But that's not how our democracy works. Nearly 60% of Americans did not want to see Roe overturned, including more than 30% of Republicans. The number of Americans who identify as pro-choice reached a record high in the weeks after a leaked draft opinion showed the Supreme Court was poised to upend a half century of constitutional precedent. And yet the course of American history doesn't always follow public opinion. Just ask the two recent Republican presidents who lost the popular vote, yet appointed four Supreme Court justices who voted to overturn Roe. Roe fell in large part because anti-abortion activists and policymakers better understood how power truly works in this country. They didn't rely on inspiring movies or heartfelt Oscar speeches or Twitter hashtags to advance their cause. Instead, the anti-abortion movement has been extraordinarily successful at getting conservative lawmakers elected at the state level. Mitch McConnell used the hard power of the Senate majority to block a Supreme Court nomination by President by then President Barack Obama, which in turn allowed President then President Donald Trump to appoint another anti-abortion justice. Conservative judicial activists selected Dobbs versus Jackson's women's health as the vehicle to prompt this right wing court to overturn Roe. Um, that's some hard shit right there, man. And that's that's this is part of what I've been saying, even about just protesting in the streets and, you know, and, you know, like blocking highways and all that stuff. I'm like, look, we passed that shit, man. That shit might have worked 60 years ago, 50 years ago. Um, but we passed that. <laughs> And so much of it, right, becomes a thing, you know, for social media. It's not going to happen on social media, fam. I hate to say it. I hate to say it. It's not going to happen on social media because that's not where the power is. Now, this is there's a form of power that does, that's there. Don't get me wrong. Do a whole show on that, right, in terms of rhetorical thought and how, you know, facts are twisted and, and, and people believe the hype. But the real power, like this article is saying, is talking about, you know, votes and seats. And this shit has been easily 35 years in the making um, in regards uh, to that. And we cannot over underestimate just the the mechanics of 
being a politician and being in positions where you can say, you know what, you can do whatever you want. <laughs> you can do whatever you want. But at least the liberal wing in this country has rarely been able to galvanize enough people around central issues that they feel dear to them anywhere near or close to what the right has done. Um, and we're seeing that Trump was a manufacturing of that. Um, I don't put all this on Trump. This was years in the making. Trump escalated this. He took this, he, um, put this into fast pace, but he, he, he wasn't necessarily the one he was just, he would have put anybody in, in the court had it, you know, who, you know, I'm, I'm looking to back to who's, who's Trump's puppeteers, right? That, that, he's just going off of what the you know, people were telling him to do. Like, you know, I just want to remain in power. Trump is just, just power hungry. Um, and so what are the next steps? I don't know. I really don't know. Um, especially when you have, um, who was it? We got a, another Senator that was talking about, um, here, let me see. Um, yeah, hold on. Give me a second. I got to look it up, but, um, there was a Senator that they're not even, you know, they're not even holding back anymore. Um, and, um, they were, is it Michael? No, 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 no. Hold on. Hold on. I'm, I'm going to get it for you. Um, yeah. Senator John, uh, Cornyn, uh, president Barack Obama tweeted, you know, today, the Supreme Court uh, not only reversed nearly 50 years of precedent, it relegated the most intensely personal decision someone can make to the whims of pol politicians and ideologues. And, you know, he goes on to say, you know, he's against it and whatever. Then Senator John Cornyn, um, right, uh, says, now go do Plessy versus Ferguson, Brown versus Board of Education. OK. Uh, Y'all know what those are, right? <laughs> These are cases that essentially established, you know, my access to education, my access to not being segregated, my access to voting, my access to 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 being where I'm at right now as a black person in this country. Um, and we can kind of look at that and be like, oh, come on. I'm tired of people saying folks are being alarmist. I mean, this is the type of shit. I mean, and even though I knew this was going to get overturned, the second that Trump started appoint appointing, um, you know, these ultra right wing folks to the Supreme Court, I was like, you know, Roe versus Wade is, is, is toast. No, 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 no. We said this, this. And part of the problem, too, is motherfuckers was telling, OK, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, RBG. Like her ass should have stepped down in like 2013, 2014 when Barack was still in place. Right. People were telling her like, look, yo, you getting up there in age like we love what you're doing. You can go tour and do some shit like retire now and let this fool put somebody in place. Some folks are talking about just, you know, her own personal hubris, hubris and uh, her own personal. Right. You know, just a way of looking at things like kind of, you know, help this along as well. Um, now I'm not trying to pose blame on anything like that. I'm just simply saying there's a lot of factors that went into this. I mean, the fact that Trump got three, three judges elected in his term, um, or not even elected. We don't elect these motherfuckers, right? They just get picked. Um, I've, I've said for a while, like, I think the Supreme court should be five, uh, liberal leaning and five, uh, uh, right leaning, maybe a couple of, uh, centers centrists, and we should vote on them every 10 years. Every 10 years as a country, we need to vote on who these people are. They need a politic. We need to see what they're about. But that would require too much effort and access. You got to remember, Trump stacked the uh, lower courts too. over 30 
people he put into those positions and the few that got caught follow this stuff man i'm telling you all this stuff's in the new york times washington post the stuff's all out there okay and that's my problem with social media is that the media cycle covers up everything there's a huge wealth of information and part of the problem with the right is that they bet that we'll forget about like we've already forgotten about uvaldi we ain't talking about that shit anymore we damn sure ain't talking about Buffalo and we damn sure ain't talking about um, George Floyd. Right. Our media cycle just rushes these things through. And the next thing you know, we're on to the next hot topic. And that's you know, that's just the way social media works. And, and, and I get that to an extent. but We cannot allow that to remain. We are the United States of amnesia. We forget and all of this shit is in them. The two or three judges that got caught in, under Trump's watch, they were highly unqualified didn't even deserve to be there they, people weren't even sure how these motherfuckers even became judges to begin with or lawyers like how did you pass the, i think one of them didn't even have uh their his, his his you know had passed his bar exam and he was about to be elected and of course he stepped down and whatnot and those three but i gotta ask myself like if those three got pulled out and they're really bad who are the other motherfuckers that got put up in there all leaning towards the right extreme right not even right not even just saying well i'm conservative no 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 extreme right what's to say we're not going to go back to slavery okay that same rhetoric that comes out of trump's mouth that says hey black people vote for me what's what can happen I mean, that same thing can easily be turned around like well hey y'all black people been in fucking you know disarray for years just come on over here we white people we know better for you this is what christianity is paul says it's okay in the bible let's fucking just go back to this shit right right now that's where we're at that's where we're at um and some things are fucked up some really fucked up things are happening um and uh i'm gonna get to my guest here i'm gonna get you know we're gonna get to this this episode here uh my man dr travis uh dr harris he's he's gonna break some shit down man i'm gonna continue this series but i had to say something i'm putting an episode together and we're gonna kind of there's a couple of things out there I want to go tit for tat on, you know, the left is, or just really, um, you know, a lot of the pro-lifers have put together some videos and stuff like, oh, you know, they've kind of, and they've kind of went, you know, point by point in an argument in terms of like, well, you know, it's not really this, it's not really that. And, you know, somebody's tried to make the comparison that said, well, slavery's bad. Like, you know, you're saying that you're pro-life, but vote pro-choice means that, you know, you would have supported slavery because it didn't affect you. It's like, look, we're comparing apples and oranges here. We're talking about a systemic evil that exists to enslave people and humans. You can't compare that to just to a woman, women who are trying to make a decision about certain aspects and certain respects and sex aspects of that are way more complicated than just somebody saying, oh, well, you're just a slut and you're just a hoe. You know, why don't you just, you know, use protection? Well, God damn it. Now that's even under fucking attack. <laughs> so it's much more complex than that. It's much more complex. And we know, right, the people who get left out, black folks, poor black folk, um, poor Latinx um, and poor disenfranchised folks in general. So we got a lot. We got a lot, folks. And I just kind of wanted to put that out there. Um, whoo. Yeah, man, I've had a couple of days to kind of stew on this. Um, and I don't know. I don't know what that means for us. I don't know what that means for my family. Um, you know, I'm sure interracial marriage. I'm forgetting the court case that was decided. I think it was at 59. 
1961. You know, all these things are relative. I mean, it's it, it, um, the court case that it, uh, decided interracial marriage. Loving versus Virginia. There we go. Um, 1967. Excuse me. I, I, yeah, that's right. It was, it was 1967. Shit. These things aren't that long ago, fam. I know to some Gen Wires or whatever, those of you born in the 2000s probably like, God damn, that was like, you know, dinosaur age and shit. But th this shit right here, man, is, is all these things right here man, are, are on the table. Um, and the reality of it is, is that they have the votes, they have the seats, they have the courts. <laughs> um, so I don't know. I don't know. I've said it before and I'll say it again. You know, as if it were up to me, I would leave this miserable country. Um, I don't know where I'd go at this point. Canada sounds all right. Um, but, um, I, you know, I, I would leave. There's a reason why the greats, James Baldwin um, and others, you know, left this country. Um, because it's, you know, we're it, we just keep recycling this shit and we keep recycling some of the same things. But placing it on top of right morality, immorality, God versus good, evil, today good one. You know, you hear people saying that stupid shit. Um, so we got some issues. Um, let me get to our guests. Um, this is your first time to Profane Faith. I recommend going back and uh, listening to some of the previous episodes. Hope you enjoyed last week's episode um, or, or last episode, you know, dealing with money, uh, saving, particularly for POC folks. Um, and uh, for us folks who are like middle class, lower middle class and whatnot, um, it's really important. Go check out last uh, last week's episode. This week, I wanted to continue our series on God is not love. Um, we're going to take a different perspective. Uh, Dr. Travis, Travis Harris is good friend of mine we met years back um actually he was writing an article for one of the first articles for the journal of hip-hop studies of which he is now the editor-in-chief of um and we just hit it off and we've been friends ever since and so i was like man let's he actually texted me he was like man when i'm gonna get back on the podcast man i said bro let's get you on let's talk about faith hip-hop theology blackness whiteness and put it into the series he agreed and we had a chance to sit down and record now this is prior to we recorded this prior to um, Friday's decision uh, of the fall of Roe v. Wade. Uh, but nevertheless, the content is still powerful. Uh, Travis has been on before uh, the show. I will put those links also in the show notes uh, so you can take a look at his previous episode, uh, just talking about his life and where he's been, and, you know, and where he's ended up at. Um, and he also posts a lot on social media as well. Uh, so check this out. Hopefully you enjoy the conversation. And um, again, look for another episode coming real soon in regards to um, Roe v. Wade, you know, the idea of abortion. I've, I wanted, I've wanted to do more on abortion. I actually had somebody lined up, um, a couple weeks back to be on the show, uh, but they just couldn't make it. They were busy. Uh, this is when stuff started popping off, you know, a lot once that court thing was leaked. Um, and I, and again, the folks that I've wanted to have on just couldn't in regard, especially over the last year, just couldn't, um, and just, just because of timing and stuff, but I've wanted to do a show specifically, um, on, uh, you know, pro-choice and what that means. All right, fam. Enjoy this episode. Peace. Good, man. Uh, well, brother, Dr. Travis Harris, <laughs> good to have you back on the, on the show here, man. How you been? Hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a lot. It's crazy, right? Because it's like as 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 I'm thinking of as we talking about the topic of the show, it's like, oh, I'm going through that stuff. <laughs> right, right, right. So we talking about suffering and black suffering. It's like, like I'm I'm struggling, dog. I ain't gonna hold you. 
Yeah. It's crazy because um, you know how fake is either either Facebook, it was either a Facebook memory or even like if you archive and save your photos in Google, yeah, it'll bring up your old photos. Yeah. So I found a photo from 2010. Okay. And it's like me talking about like having trouble sleeping and sleepless nights. And I'm like, hey. Wow. Wow. And what year is this? 2022. 22. Yeah. My 30 year high. You're right. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> 30 man. 30 years of slave. <laughs> oh, Lord have mercy, man. We'll break it down. What have you been mulling on, man, in, in regards? Because there is a lot of black suffering right now, right? Yeah. There is just a a shitload of, of when you think about just what black folks have to endure what we're told yeah. that we should be doing right you know it's just like you know every time there's an uprising you get all these officials talking about oh we need peaceful solutions we need peaceful solutions but they wasn't telling them them motherfuckers out in ukraine about that shit right, right they're loading right. them up with ak-47s right so, right crazy <laughs> so what are you thinking on, man? What's been processing for you in regards man, to that? So for me, is 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 both the personal and the um okay the the public, the personal and the public. Because personally, like I said, I personally been experiencing things, and just for your you know this, but for your listeners who don't know this, I I've been in a situation where I've been at the mountaintop and in the valley, right? So. Okay. For your listeners who don't know this, I like like doc like doc sound Reverend Doctor Travis Harris, and I actually completed my dissertation in at Women Mary's um American Studies program, my that whole program in five years. So I'm okay. a hood dude. Like I go by hood scholars. So I'm a hood dude. Yeah, yeah. Who broke a record at one of the top institutions? Right. You're right. I go from literally a mountaintop, I'm in front of the stage, like all these white people saying, this is for my hood. <laughs> right? Right. And then the very next um, semester, I get a job. I'm assistant, press, assistant professor at VCU. Yeah. And just out of nowhere, I get unjustly fired. Yeah, and it really is. It really is. I, I read those reports. You sent them to me, and I, I, I'm still trying to make sense of those those. Those reports, man, I, I, that didn't make any sense whatsoever. It makes no sense at all. None. So, so that's that's kind of the the personal thing I've been dealing with. And while that's going on, we yeah. all we all experienced COVID, right? Right. So this happened right in the middle of the COVID. We all experienced COVID, which we know who's been dying the most from COVID: black people. Black, right? Unfortunately, and then um and then and then for many black people, right. COVID was just uh like with my situation, just a long string of things that had been going on before that. And then <laughs> we also dealing with the police brutality. Right. So I found this um this 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 C SPAN interview of this black dude, Richard Majors. Okay. And he's talking about Rodney King. Oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, you know well yeah. about that. Yeah. Now you from California, Doc, or you just grew up there? I, well, I grew there? up there. I considered home. I mean, legally, I was born in Texas, right? You know yeah. what I'm saying. But I spent most of my formative years um, in California. In fact, I just heard a great podcast 
on um, was from NPR. I think it was, or maybe it wasn't. I don't know. It was Slow Burn, and they were talking about you know the third because it's been thirty years. It's hard to believe, man. April 29th, nineteen ninety two. Thirty years. Thirty goddamn years. I mean, I that time in my mind, bruh, just it. I, I it's it's like another world. I can't even explain it. 30 years and they did this whole thing and there was some shit in there that I had no idea. I didn't know that the highway patrol officer that showed up a woman already had Rodney King on the ground. She was about to cuff him when officer Powell shows up. These, you know, the other, the other four show yeah. up and, and literally commanded her to stop him because he had rank. She had to pull back from that. And that's when the beating commenced. Like she was like, there would have never been a Rodney King incident. She already had him hemmed up. Wow. He was complying. He was doing all the things. But then when these other officers showed up, she, he said, stop. And then that's when they, they started beating his ass, man. So I'm like, wow. Yeah. 30 years. Don't get me started on all that shit, man. But please but continue. And, 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 and you notice because it was all the tensions were yeah. already bubbling. Right. Before Rodney <laughs> right. King. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Just like in the sixties, because I'm because this other my other re and this, and this is this is why things are so crazy in my mind because this is what I deal with right. This is what I research. In the sixties, you you have Price on um, Greer and Cobb who write who wrote this book called Black Rage. Yeah. And in this classic text, they talking about. Black people being angry because what? 19, April 4th, 1968, they killed King. Right, right. The nonviolent. Right, right. Love ethic. Right. I'm going to, I'm going to try to persuade you through this um, web of mutuality. Right? Right. And so, so you you have you can really see this this and then you go back and and we keep and that's and that happened because in the fifties you had Emmett Till right 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 so it's like this bubbling this tension this bubbling tension and this tension has been going on for years and yeah. years and yeah. years and yes years. sir yes sir and now and it was years and years turned like you said 30, 30 years ago it's turned to decades decades when you trace it back turns to centuries. That is. So you got centuries of black suffering. Then we see a, a, a yet another reminder a couple of weeks ago in Buffalo. Right, right. Which, which he was very clear. <laughs> like people try, people are trying so hard to say this yeah. is not about race. Yeah. Oh, please, man. He had he wrote on his gun. Like here's your here's your uh, your fucking uh, reparations on the tip of his gun, right? Come on, he he claimed to be a white supremacist, right? <laughs> and he literally had a, a written manifesto. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So so for me, right? And and shout out to you and your work. Um, Dan is one of the leading scholars on hip hop theology. Oh man, brother, um, too much. Thank you, though. For me, the question, right? I'm asking the question that James Baldwin asks, that Fannie Lou Hamer asks, that W. B. Du Bois asks, that Henry McNeil Turner asks, that all our many of our ancestors asks, is God, what's up? Right, right, right. I'm, 
Uh, I'm 400% with you, brother. And, and what, 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 what was it, William? Um, What's his name? J oh. William James? William yeah, 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 yeah. Here, I'm Jones pulling up said, my... Jones said, is God a white racist? There it is. There it is. So, like, so to some listeners, probably not to your listeners because your listeners with it, but to some people, this might be a startling question. Right. God being a white racist? So we're talking about now a divine racism? Well, racism isn't just coming from not just individuals. Yeah. Not just institutions. Right. But from divinity. It's a supernatural, right? It's a supernatural <laughs> into the goddamn quantum realm of racism, man. Woo! <laughs> Come on, son. Come on. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> he said he had to go into the quantum realm. <laughs> damn. That just hit me, though, man. Like, that just hit me. That just hit me after all this time. I was like, man, that this brother's talking about the truth, right? It's like, it's just not institutional shit. Now you got a God on high, right? This kind of advanced civilization that's... Like, nah, I, ain't, I don't like niggas either. Shit, you know. Just like, and we're going to have to get into, we're going to get kind of nerdy, get to the Marvel, Marvel, right? You know how they had to go into the quantum realm? Right. Outside of time and space. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I got a reader coming out the, here next month, man, or in July on, on marveling religion and stuff, man. So, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so, wow. So this question makes sense. When you think of not just years, not just decades, but centuries, right, of black suffering, right, 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 and so that's why I was like, "Yo, damn, we gotta chop it up, bro." Yes, because for me, I'm personally suffering, but my person, my personal suffering, isn't um an individual suffering. My personal suffering is connected to the suffering that many other black people are going through now and that many of our ancestors have gone through before. So I was thinking there's, there's, there's two broad big questions okay. that we, we can really dive into, right? So on one hand, there's this, what people have already called the problem of evil right. and suffering in general, right? Yeah. Which we can, which goes right to Valde, which is crazy because dang, dang, you Dan, you so you say he was born in Texas, right? Born in Texas, bro. Born in I, I know you, Valdi, man. In fact, when I played football, we play we would play them, man. If we ever made it to the playoffs, we would play you, Valdi, man. It it that's crazy. I know exactly that place. It's not a big city, about 16,000 people. You know, it's and it's and it's a and it's a. I I, I don't know what better way to explain this, but. It's a classic Texas town, meaning that yeah. whites are in charge, high population of Latinx, mo mainly Mexican-Americans, um, yeah. some African-Americans spread out here and there and stuff like that. But the values of heteronormativity, uh, religion, heavy religion on evangelicalism, you know, you know, oh, abides yeah. throughout. Right. And so there's a strong, you know, sense of, of, of masculinity really rooted in a conservative view and whatnot. Yeah. Um, that's kind of the best... <laughs> way i can um explain it uh because being from texas is like man the minute you land you're like oh shit oh okay okay 
which is crazy because <laughs> you were from Texas, California, and you in Chicago now, right? <laughs> it's like, goddamn, man. It's like I got I was in Oakland. Like, oh, really? You gonna have me in Oakland? You gonna go to LA? And now I'm in Chicago. Like, hey, just and just on it, we can just knock this out real quick. But why are people always talking about Chicago in response to white terrorism? <laughs> They always want to bring this shit up, man. And my whole thing is, it's like, when oh, what about the black people killing each other in the south side of Chicago? I'm like, well, first right. of all, you don't know the geography. The south side is huge. Hyde yeah. Park, where Obama's from, is technically considered the south side of Chicago. And niggas yeah. ain't killing themselves there. But second of all, it's, it's like people have been working on this thing for a long time. Right, right. Right. What we're talking about is another separate issue about yeah. black lives and how they matter, particularly within law enforcement and stuff, man. So, yeah, man, it's it's crazy. And, yeah, and, and, and well, you dare. And I know people because people like, why are not marching? They are marching to protest. They Chicago. are. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so much of the heavy work is being done behind the scenes. These are cats right, who right. are doing the work. They don't have a camera in front of them. CNN right, right, ain't right. showing up to them. Right, I think about right. my man Phil Jackson out here in um, uh, uh, the Lawndale community, man. He's he, the only hip-hop-centered church space, workspace that he's doing. Got a studio in the basement, the firehouse, man. I keep telling people like... Here in Chicago, right here in yeah. Chicago, man, the place of Common and, and Kanye. Well, no matter how you feel and about it, and don't y'all got some um hip hop, some graffiti out there in Chicago? Absolutely, too? man. In fact, you know, kind of the uh, they call it the HBCU of the of the North, right? You know, Chicago yeah. State University, which in all purposes yeah. really should be an HBCU, but they got a hip hop archive out there, man. I was there wow. at the. Yeah, I was there at their inauguration. Yeah, I'm about to pull up to Chicago, bro. They uh, talking about <laughs> talking about all the killers and stuff. That's what I said. Like, <laughs> right, right. And then also just another thing too, because people always do this. When you look at the numbers, Chicago isn't even considered the most dangerous. Nah, nah. It's St. Louis, Detroit. Like, I'm like, what in the world? What is? Right. And here's the other thing. And I'm not justifying the violence. I'm not saying that it's that it's right. But the violence is very targeted. And I, I mentioned this uh, 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 a week or so back in, in my podcast. And again, I'm not justifying it. But like I grew up with school shootings. I grew up yeah. with cats coming up on campus and shooting the place up. But it was directed. I don't like this nigga over here. This right, cat right. over here owe me money. Them fools over there is stripping. It wasn't like we gonna come and shoot the whole school up. You know, black people, right? And again, I'm not justifying it. I'm not saying it's right, but it's a different category, you know. Um, and I think that's the part yeah, that at least made sense, <laughs> right? Exactly, exactly, exactly. It's just like, nah, these fools over here is tripping. We have beef, they got beef, and they came in and that was that. And as another hood dude, right, I didn't tell you, I wasn't afraid, right? I mean, of right. course, I washed my back and stuff. Of course, of course. If I didn't have beef, then I'm not expecting just some random person to just come in. Right. I'm right. the whole clip on me. Right. I don't fear, when I go into the black neighborhood, I live right next to the west side here, man, and I don't fear going into my neighborhoods. What yeah. I fear is going out of the city and going into places where there are a lot of black people because not because of the black folk, right, but because right, right. of the targeted essence right, right. 
that right. I feel like we all have on our backs. And when I, and especially when I go out in the, in the suburbs and stuff, man, yeah, you never know what's going to pop off. You never know. But, and so this is the thing, right? And this kind of gets um to the second point. So I don't want to go too far there, but another, cons- another part, right? And which, and I just want to knock out the stuff that we already, that people already know. The other one, like you said, Texas is very evangelical, down South conservative. Would you say they're pro-life down there? <laughs> Very much so, man. How in the world can you be pro-life right. and justify the school shooting? Right. Or not have any type of like, we need to do something, right? We need to right. have some type of dress. So it, is it pro-life only in the womb? Or do these actual babies matter? <laughs> right. Right. Bruh, I, I like somebody, I, I had to stop, right? Because somebody started to show the, the pictures of the kids. Oh, yeah. And you Valde? Yeah, yeah, no. Yeah. I just, and then you saw the one the husband. Oh. I think of the teacher. Oh, I know. And then he went home and had a heart attack, man. Oh, dear God. I mean, it's it's like, wow. Wow. How is that supposed to be pro-life? Right. Now you got kids that are, <laughs> they got, they just lost both their parents. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. I just had a pause because I was like, yeah. 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 Because you got a child too. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, man. And I, and I remember her that age and just, I mean, and, and you know, what was it? One of them, several of them. In fact, I'm reading the reports. I've been mainly reading uh, stuff out of the Washington Post. Um, but, um, they're talking about how, you know, several children, like, you know, got the blood of their classmates, you know, how traumatizing is that, you know, put it on themselves (laughs) and then tried to play dead. I mean, and the, and they could be living with survivor's guilt now. Oh, absolutely. That's just going to affect them the rest of their life. We going, we going to talk to them in 15 years and you going, you going to see it's going to be there, man. It's going to be there. And And I've like, I've seen somebody get shot beside me yeah and their body drop and that stuff haunts you yo absolutely absolutely man absolutely the trauma of 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 that absolutely so so for me the the first big question is with this question we always talking about with the problem evil right Mm -hmm. what some call theodicy um and I have a proposition. Come on. Right? And this is more so a question, but just, just thinking about this, right? So so the way I understand many, many issues, many people have this issue of God is like, God, why didn't you intervene? God, why didn't you stop this? God, so my response to this is, to those people is, how can we have both? And what I mean by that, right? On one hand, so either the, the the way it's set up is either God is all powerful and that he has enough power to stop evil, or is either God is all powerful and or God is all loving. So if God doesn't intervene, then God doesn't love. Yeah. Or or God can't intervene because God is not powerful, right? And and, and there's different variations on this, but my question then is. Don't you also want free will? 
<laughs> okay. Because with free will, then that's saying that you as a human being are given the option to make decisions on your own. Right? So if you can make your own decisions, okay, then shouldn't are you want to now decide who has free will and who doesn't have free will? And what I mean by that is this. Are you saying that God should take away the free will of these mass shooters so that he can intervene and prevent these things from happening? Or should these people maintain their free will? Okay. You see what I'm saying? Okay. So, so for me, my question is this. How can you have both mm. based on the way it's set up? Now, unless there's a whole nother way that we need to change our view of the world. But my question is, how can it be both God intervene, God intervening because of his power and you having free will? So at some point, something has to give. All right. Break that down a little bit more, man. What, 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 yeah. what you're talking about? How, how you nuance that, man? Yeah. So let me explain it this way. Right. And it's crazy because it's. um. So. With free will, so let me well first let me do it this way, and then let me go forward and come back. Okay. A potential answer to this is that we need we should we should not place the responsibility of evil on God. Instead, we should focus on the institution, the institutions, the community, the history, and the individuals. Right. I'm following so, you. So. The Uvalde shooter, these mass shooters, they're coming out of these century, like on the other hand of these century long oppression of, of oppression is this white supremacy, which has taught, um, nurtured, um, raised up people, primarily white people, to view whites on top, a whiteness on top, and blackness on the bottom. Right. Yeah. So from that perspective, then when this happens, right, this is the evil of the actions of these people who have been bred in a white supremacist system in society. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm following you. So then, right, instead of placing responsibility on God not intervening. Mm hmm. We place the responsibility on this human individual made this de decision to act out in an evil way. I'm following you. I'm following you. So then bring it back. So to bring it all together. Yeah. We this person still has their free will. Because they are making the choice to do these actions. Yeah. And it's not. God's fault for not intervening because God did not take away that person's free will. Does it make sense now? I'm following you. I'm following you. Yeah. We're asking some questions so <laughs> so we can make it clear. Well, I mean, I I I have because I've I, it's interesting because I've kind of been you know processing this as well. Like you know, how do we look at these things? Um, and you know, I ask myself how much is a theological colonization come upon myself as well. Like how we expect 
God to react, right? We've been told by yeah. the Puritan way, the very Eurocentric way that God is supposed to intervene. God is on the side of those who are just. So if God is, so. you know what I'm saying? And so, it, so, but, but is that really God? Isn't it, is that just the way that them, these, these cats just told us just so that we would obey, just so that we would fall into line. So I've been kind of looking at it, like you said, like the problem of evil. It's like almost in a sense in one, in, in one manner, um, almost like play, like you said, placing the, the, the issue of the evil within an actual person. And this kind of gets into, again, you know, aspects of the supernatural. We always want to kind of put a sense of evil on the devil or demons and, you know, these, yeah. these folks like that. And, and again, I'm still trying to unpack some of that because again, so many of our images come from Dante's Inferno, right? Kind of a, a, yeah. a, a middle, middle century uh, uh a medieval if you will um a sense of who the devil is and i'm still trying to unpack how western central and in northwestern africans you know interpreted evil and there's a lot of different interpretations of of how evil was looked at a trickster somebody who lies somebody right, who right. can morph and take different changes but this notion of a devil with horns and you know disfigurations really manifested itself in European uh, right, context right, right. and stuff. And so, again, I know that's kind of out there, but my point in saying all of that is, is I'm with you in the sense that this person had the free will to choose uh, to do what he was deciding to do. Um, and in one sense, right, uh, my old Seventh-day Adventist theology would say, well, God allowed it because God had to allow it because that's the way that's God's nature is just to allow things to play out as it is. Um, and case there right? Yeah. Um, but I, in that, and that's the part I think that I'm wrestling with and trying to, Oh, okay. To, to grapple with, if that makes sense, Does that makes sense. Yeah, I don't so know. What, so how would you, um, cause I don't, because part of what you're getting at is the second part that I want us to, to talk about, and that's basically God being a white supremacist. Well, yeah, there is that, but I don't want to finish on, on your, I want to go back yeah, to your so, first so point. My and first, stuff. So the first part, then my question is, how, how should, how would a decolonized non-Western perspective of God understand God's actions in the midst of one's, um, in the midst of the Uvalde shooter. Honestly, I mean, this is a good question because this is part of what I've been thinking of and, and reimagining God um, from both uh, a theological but also an astrophysics perspective. Yeah. And if we think about God, it's like you know, it, it's for me. I, I always tell people, it's like, look, I don't. I, by no means am I an atheist. I don't think even if, if even if I didn't identify as a Christian or whatever, yeah. I wouldn't. I. I it, it's too much. There's too much to 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 look at. I mean, think, just think about the complexity of the human body and 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 whatnot. Yeah. Even with the amount of time that we've had for the Earth to form, it is the equivalent of somebody with a rifle trying to shoot a can off a rock on the moon. You know, it's right, it's right. there's you know, it's not like tornadoes come in and and automatically tear up everything and then rebuild it into like a 747 uh, jumbo jet. There is some grand design. But <laughs> the big but in all this is I think 
that somehow somewhere out there, whether we you want to go down the assimila or the assimilation route, you know, whether we were, we're all on assimilation, the experiment route where we're kind of, you know, just this these uh, petri dish for the gods. That's kind of along the American gods uh, um, saga. If you read the novel, follow the television show on FX. Um, or you can look at it in the sense of like Jesus saying, I got to go. Like my time is up here. I got to go back to the mothership. I'm going to go work on some shit. Give me a minute. But even the laws of physics have to apply to him. And so if he's even traveling at the speed of light, that means that his time runs slower than ours. <laughs> if he's traveling through a wormhole, again, all these things, right? Think about a type three, type four civilization. And I don't want to get too far out there. But my point being is, is that I do think in the one sense, there might be an absence of God only because God is still out there doing other things. Maybe a God or, or those persons, those advanced civilizations are colonizing other worlds. I don't know. I mean, so there is that sense or there's the sense that God is, is, is all watching and all, you know, being things. Think about something like uh, entanglement. You know, you can have two objects be entangled and they can be billions of light years away and they can still, feel and touch and engage with each other. Um, and so there's maybe a sense that, you know, God is just watching being like, damn, they done fucked up over there, man. Like, all right, well, give me another five minutes and I'll be there. But, you know, five minutes for God, right? Uh, you know, right. and in some of the scriptures, it talks about that, like a day in heaven is a thousand years on earth or whatever. So right, right, right. Those, that's just one way I'm looking at how we can interpret divinity. So you would say sense. that God doesn't even, is not even, so intervention isn't even an option then for you. In one sense, in one sense, um, right. In one sense, there isn't an intervention. Now that's not to say that there aren't supernatural powers. That's not to say that there aren't components of dimensions that we don't even have any clues about right right that's going on there and that's the part that you know like i don't know i don't know what happens when we die uh, you know so no one does yeah. no one does um you. so uh, yeah i think that i also think too that you know there's enough unexplained things that i think god becomes a very easy way to comfort ourselves in these oh, type of times okay. does that make sense so you don't, so you wouldn't even say there, there, so the problem, even evil doesn't even exist in your, I guess, on worldview. No, it does. But I think it resides within humans. I think that, that aspect, oh, you know okay, what I'm saying? I, I, th you. I feel like, you so know, you agree. So you, me and you align on the evil being found in human beings. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Got I got you. But you just, but for you, you just don't see God's role as intervening in human affairs. Well, I'm I, again. I'm trying to still work that out. It's a theory. I got it's a theory. I mean, you know, and I'm yeah. still trying to put some yeah, of those things you. together. And so I don't. It's it's not something that I. Oh yeah, this is conclusive evidence. But well, what, what do you think about what I'm proposing? And that his intervention will take away from. Ba it will basically limit our human capacity. Well, and then yes, there is that absolutely. I, and that's and that's the part of it. I was like, uh, that is definitely something that I think a superior being would be able to be like. All right, I'm just gonna let them do what they got to do. Yeah. If I told them free will, um, 
which is what I like about I hate to keep bringing up Marvel, but it's what I like about the the Loki series for those of you who have followed it and stuff, man, because it, it deals with this sense of this is my past. This is what's been planned out. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and it's like, well, hold up. There's other things that are, that are going yeah. here. You know, can a person change their ways? I, I don't know. Um, and how much power do we have within our own selves? Because yeah. I'm tired of the notion that, oh, God sees everything and God knows and, and God's comforting you. And I'm just like, I don't know <laughs> about all yeah. that. But please yeah, continue. I, yeah. So I can say that I can, I can for me, um, I have seen God's intervention, but it's, it's different from like what you're saying in the, oh, God, see, God knows. Like for me, I've seen it in such a way, like with the, with the Joseph story. Okay. Right. Where what, what was meant for evil, right. God's God coming in and using that to work things out for good. There is so, that, yeah. So the brothers can still throw Joseph in slavery. The, he can still go to prison and be forgotten by I think it was the baker. Yeah. Um, all these all these evil human actions can still happen, right? But God can still work within the evil of the human actions. So then it's both. Um, the, the free will, you being able to have the choice, like with Loki, uh, which, th yeah, that series is crazy. Isn't and I, it? And he, I was like, do not kill him. And Jonathan Majors can act as, just a side note. Yeah. Jonathan Majors can act, bro. Yeah. That dude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For real. That boy can act. And I was like, don't kill him. Don't kill him. Don't kill him. <laughs> but she had the choice, right? Right. Right. So. So it can be both. She can have the choice. Um, the Uvalde shooter can still happen. And then um, guy can can come in and, and use this and can still work within this, this human chaos, this human monstrosity. Yeah, I'm with that. I'm with that too, man. I, that's, that's just it. I think for me, it's, it's holding multiple possibilities in hand right. rather than in the past, I had to land on one and I yeah. had to like be secure in one and then try to prove, <laughs> you know, that out. And now I'm just willing to be like, well, you know, it could be this. It could be that and stuff. And I think that's that's the difference between a colonized mind. A colonized mind will want right. to seek out and make, you know, it's like a conf you know confirmation bias. Right. right. It's like I got to I got to say is liberatory. Because now. We don't have to have all the answers. Yeah. Right. So with the colonized mind is I got to have a very clearly defined systematic theology. Right. I know exactly who God is. I know exactly that's theology. I know exactly who Jesus is. Christology. I know exactly how Jesus, Jesus saved. Soteriology. I know exactly who the Holy Spirit is. Pneumatology. I know exactly what's going to happen in the end times. Eschatology. Right. I got all this down, boom, 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 boom. Right. Right. And then you get the Left Behind series. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly, man. You get the Left Behind series, and you also get people who are so sure that this right. is right, quote unquote, the second coming. This is yeah. God is coming back. It's like, I don't, I'm not on board with any of that. I think 
for example, I think social media enhances our ability to see things that really aren't even there. I mean, yeah. and it's easy to put some of those things together, but those things have been happening. Now, I'm not, a, you know, a, a denier of, for example, like climate change. I'm not a denier of like, you know, oh, the earth oh, yeah, is flat yeah, yeah. and, you know, nothing like that. But I'm, my point is, is that, it, you know, at the end of the day, like you said, you got the Left Behind series. I mean, these are all money makers, man. These things. <laughs> right, that's the other part. Se selling tickets. Oh, my gosh. That's crazy, bro. I ain't gonna lie. They got me because I was a when it first came out, I was a kid. And, you know, I wanted to be a good Christian. And so I was like, hey, we got a Christian movie. We was all excited about it. But that was the point. <laughs> because right. of capitalism. Right. Goodbye. Yeah. And then they can make a whole book series. And whole like, book series. You know, you got, you know, silly ass Kirk Cameron out there acting a fool. Yeah. You Who know. Can't act? Right. 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 <laughs> oh man. They used to come up on my campus, man, when I taught at uh Citrus College. Um, they used to come up there and they used to come on Cal State LA's campus and like, yeah. you know, try to witness and stuff. Man. Right, right. <laughs> Some crazy shit, man. And just just for your listeners who may not just to be clear what we're saying, what we're saying is the Left Behind series, et cetera, um, is presented as very, like, assured this is exactly what's going to happen. Right, right. But even biblically, it's not even that clear. Right, right, right. Oh. So just, just for those who, who are missing in between, reading the in between the lines, it's just that Left Behind makes it so clear, like, this is what we know is going to happen. And, and even the Bible says no one knows the days or the time. Right. Um, I don't want to get too much into the biblical scholarship, but some scholars argue that in Thessalonians, when Paul talks about me, me unit, I don't know if you heard this before. My New Testament professor was talking about this. When, when um, Paul talks about meet you in the air, you're supposed to meet in the air and then come right back down. <laughs> I've never, I've not heard that one. I, that's a new yeah, one for me. Some, some New Testament scholars talk about that because the point was, which I'm sure you have heard, in the midst of suffering, how Paul wanted to offer hope to this community, yeah. right? So it, it, that's what a, and that's what really eschatological literature, right, is about: is offering hope to communities that are suffering. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, um, what what this New Testament scholar was saying was that it is based is basically creating a brand new community, mm. right? You go into the air to come back down, but as a new community, not in the ways in which the community had existed before that. Which actually relates to what you were saying earlier with um, the trickster. So I was going to say this earlier. For Africans, evil is brokenness in community. There you go. Because so uh, a very strong African ideology is Ubuntu. Yeah. I am because we are. Right. So you see this this connection, this 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 inter this, this which King was was right about, this web of intercommuniality between humans, but also between with other living beings. Right? So then we're 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 um we're 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 ones who take care of the earth, right? Right. But you can see what happens when when Europeans take care of the earth, right? <laughs> exactly. exactly. We're we're living into that right now. But but the, the point is that there's this this level of interconnectedness 
that brings, that draws the community together with other living beings in such a way it builds everyone up. Yeah. So then evil is a broken, is when that, that, that interconnectedness is broken. That's why the trickster is so vile because now I can't even trust you. <laughs> right. And you supposed to be my family. Right. You supposed Ooh. to be my sister and my brother. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. And that's evil. <laughs> yes. 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 Well, and I think, I mean, as I think about this, man, and I think about, you know, evil and it manifesting, I think Hollywood has painted a picture that evil right can reside. And like, you know, my daughter and I are going through the, excuse me, the, um, uh, what is it? The Stranger Things, you know, they just oh, came out yeah. with. I uh, saw people talking about it, but I haven't watched it. Yeah, 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 man. And, you know, and it's kind of nostalgic because of the you know the music and the way it was designed. It looks like a lot of 80s horror films and stuff. Okay. But this new season, I don't want to give too much away for those who are like into it and haven't seen it yet. Um, it's 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 a whole nother level, right? It's like wow. it's a whole nother level of 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 gore, horror, jump scares and kind of dealing Dealing with the, the the exactly what you're talking about here in regards to evil, but again, evil is embodied within yeah. this kind of demonic presence, um, and so this demonic environment, uh, you know, is residing within a house, and that's where we kind of see a lot of these things in Hollywood, right? Think about Amityville Horror, and yeah. it, and for so much of it, it's it's always an ethnic thing too right it's like it's right. these white people being terrorized by these native american you know right. spirits and stuff you think about poltergeist right um uh the same thing i guess like i said amityville yeah you're right the monsters already always has color right always has <laughs> color white monster even even the exorcist is dealing with this sense of you know women don't know how to handle this stuff but it came from an ethnic tribe and you know that demon is coming in so again even in that shit right you're still dealing with this cosmological evil that's residing rather than saying okay I, I, I can go to go star wars here on everybody but i've been again watching like kenobi and watching um the mandalorian and boba fett and particularly boba fett boba fett was a character for those who don't know star wars lore um was a character that was kind of in the in-between people fell in love with him not because he was a great hero no, he actually worked with the Empire, but he was a, a, a bounty hunter <laughs> that was just like, look, I'm just in it for the money. Like, yeah. I'm just here to collect a tab. And the way he went out was kind of, you know, unserendipitous. And so anyways, they brought this series back. But what I liked about the series is that it really showed the sand people. And again, I don't want to get too far off here for those of you. The sand people were shown, at least in Star Wars and other episodes, as kind of this godless heathens secular you can just brutally kill them that's what anakin did right in episode mm. two just brutally kills them kids dogs everybody wow. just killed them murder massacred them but in boba fett it's showing them as deeply spiritual deeply wow. tribalistic deeply connected to the land right mm. In yeah. other words, you've been here thousands of years and you've been able to preserve this land, wow. been able to go. But here we are in European rule 
And in 200 years, the goddamn planet is fucked up, right? We're, we're running right. out of food. The heat is running <laughs> up and shit, man. And running out of Similac. Right. Basically, <laughs> right. necessities. Right. Similac is, is, is out. It's gone. So anyways, I'm doing too much talking. Back to you. But that was just my thought process no. on that. No, I'm glad you brought up the land, bro, because you, you know, for, for people who don't know, I'm a scholar of dispossession. Come on. And a dispossession is usually associated with the loss of land. But what I've did, what I've done, I've created a theory which I call the matrix of dispossession. Okay, right? come on. But this makes a lot more sense now. Come on, dog. What you're saying because because of this connection to the land, right? Mm -hmm. And because of what I was talking about with this Ubuntu ideology, if you take someone away from their land, Whew. you're right. losing a lot. Right, right. And, and for us as black people being, if I, I, one thing I realized in, in my building relationships with people who are still on the continent, the continent and on the on that land is a power source for us. Ooh. So it's almost as if we've been disconnected from the power source. Mm. Ooh. That's why dispossession is, has been so harmful. Yeah, that's going to preach right there. And while we need repossession, right? Repossession of repossession of the land, but also a repossession of reconnection to the power source. Yeah. Which can happen in community. Yes. Yes. I agree. I agree. And that's why it's evil because and so to bring it full scale, that's why the brokenness of evil, the brokenness of community is evil. Yeah. Because evil breaks that community, but it also breaks our connection from the power source, which renders us powerless. Ooh, man, I tell you, brother, that's that's the joint right there. Yeah, that's the joint. Which brings us to I think we we should go here now. Come on. So shout out to you. Remember, you set up this um this AR presentation we had when I was talking about the mission, this dispossession. And I asked this same question. Is is God a dispossessed God? Okay. You remember that? Okay. Vaguely. Vaguely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I because at that time we was talking about um Marvel, right? Uh -huh. And um Black Panther. That's right. That's right. And how he was um he was dispossessed, right? He was taken from Wakanda. Yeah. And so we had and we wanted to have this 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 vision. A restoration, then we cannot have a God who dispossesses people from their land. Ooh. Ooh. We cannot have a white supremacist God. So this is what we need to talk about, Doc. Come on. Come on. Is God a white racist? Okay. <laughs> Right, that's what William Jones asked. And he asked this question, right, based on these centuries of oppression, because not in a not only did we experience these centuries of oppression, but we also have multiple factors. We have one, and shout out to an RIP to the great Charles Long. Yeah. Who who looks at the development and creation of religion. Right. Right. And he has this term alterity. A-L-T-E-R-I-T, which shows how 
the creation of religion was a European construction. Ooh. A construction in European <laughs> colonization and empire. Oh my gosh. So if the very essence of the thing that we understand as religion is white right. and made of colonization, and then historically we see this live out in the empires, in the colonies, in the colonies, the British colonies, um, here what becomes North America, in the Americas, in the rice fields, in the where they're literally the slave masters mm -hmm. beating the enslaved. Yeah. Removing scriptures from Bibles and then and then preaching to them, slaves obey your masters. <laughs> oh man. Right? Right. And then you and then shout out to you because you uncovered this. You have this quote from an actual 19th century ethnologist. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he said, and you know what? Let's go ahead and read this because this joint is going to, it blew my mind when you found this. But I was like, what? Let's read, let's read this. He said that this is what, this was a white dude. Mm -hmm. So then, right? And this, and the reason why this quote is so important because this is not just us theoretically asking the question, is God a white racist? And this is not just a theoretical conception that we're that we that we are creating based on the actions of of white supremacists and white people. Now we have an actual white person who wrote this out. So let me read this. He said, "Now as Adam was white, <laughs> Abraham white, and our Savior white, did he enter heaven when he arose from the dead?" as a white man or as a Negro? If as a white man, then the Negro is left out. If as a Negro, then the white man is left out. As Adam was a son of God, and as God is white, <laughs> and in him is no darkness, black at all, how could then the father of the Negro as like begets like? And if God cannot be the father of the blacks because he was white, how could our savior being the express image of God's person as asserted by Paul carry such a damn color into heaven where all are white, much less to the throne. Whew. Now this is written by, let me, let me get the, the citation. Um, what's his name? I know it's a white ethnologist in like the 1800s. Here we go. His name is Buckner H. Payne. Yeah. 1867. You, I know when you first found that, you found that you was like, what? Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so yeah. he literally said <laughs> that God was white, Adam was white, our Savior Jesus was white. Right. Everybody white. And this was an actual official publication that was in press in 1867. Right. Which for me draws it all, all together. So now when we say this, this isn't a theoretical claim. Mm-hmm. 
But literally, the God that's being worshipped, the God that's being called upon, the God that's being um, trusted upon is white. <laughs> and and William, uh, William R. Jones calls this white entity instead of Christianity, right? Because this is the Christianity, the religion of white supremacists. Yeah. Well, God is white. Jesus is white. And of course, who's going to benefit the most? White people. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. Oh, then, right? To bring this whole conversation full circle, maybe the question, maybe the issue for many of us, for many of our listeners, and even that I had to think about as I was going through this, is the issue God or is the issue the God that we created and the God that we are worshiping? Because are we worshiping? Are we serving? Are we dependent on this white God? Are we dependent on who God truly is? That's the that is you summed it up. That is what I I think it, it, I have been wrestling with for a while, but it really came to a head after the 2016 uh, election. Um, yeah. And I won't go into details, you know, yeah, the process of that. I've I've done that on this show, and and you know that process as well, but. I think that is for me, at least the answer <laughs> is that so much of it has been constructed around a white God. It's around oh. this white entity, if you will, um, to, you know, to use that term that, you know, Jones was using. I think that there is this sense that because religion is so powerful, because it's oh. such an ideological construct, because it's such a soother, because it's such a, a way of us releasing, right? Like there's gotta be a space Right for black folk, that's just ours, and and I think that's become much more of an identifier for us in our communities because we don't have much. Mm. You know, every form of black wealth, concentrated black wealth. I'm not talking about like individuals like Oprah or right, right, right. Shaquille O'Neal or whatever. I'm talking about concentrated, like like you do in the Jewish communities. Every time I go up to North Park, um, here in the north side of Chicago, I pass the strong Jewish community, man, and knowing that their dollar stays in their community, well, you know, close to a damn month. Same thing with the, the Korean, right? But we don't have that in our community. Right. Uh, and all those forms of concentrated wealth have been destroyed. So what do we have? Well, we have the church. <laughs> and and in there, they can be, I hate to say this and, and sum it up in this way, but it's it can, it, it can be this kind of mythological la-la land of, of all the things. And, uh, you know, I want to believe that there's an almighty God that's on my side and that's going to take out this, this shit. Um, I want to believe that. Um, and so, but, but that's part of it, right? It's like, but we are even still, that's why I always say, that's what I talked about in Homeland Insecurity, man. And it was like the, the racism is embedded into the theological DNA. Mm. And so everything we're reading, you know, uh, prayer and this and, and, right. and, 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 you know, and, and faith works and all that stuff is all that stuff is still embedded with racism. Um, and it's, it's and, almost and like it's tainted. And let me jump on that part with racism being embedded in theological DNA. So much so we can make this statement, and this is what we talked about offline, but I want to say it here. God is white. Yeah. And let me elaborate on that. Like the very, so much so that the very essence of whiteness 
is God, which means the very essence of God is whiteness, which means then what do we end up worshiping? Right. Whiteness. Yeah, exactly. What do we end up serving? Whiteness. So then, right, and just a very, so having a white Jesus on a stained glass window, oh, that's normal. Right. Right? And that's the overt example, but let's make it more practical, right? It's like, and and we, and and it hurts me to see this, but I see when black people, right, when we out in public, it's like, oh, we got to act a certain way around the white folks. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. think about this. If someone is literally changing your behavior, oh, you can't say that. Oh, you can't do this. Or oh, make sure you don't do that. And make sure you do this. That means they have some level of control and power over you. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So yes. when you go in the restaurant, oh, we got to make sure. And so then what, what does this become? All about making white people feel comfortable. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. So then is so it's not even so yes, we see it on Sunday with the white Jesus on the stained glass windows, but it's so much more that because it's oh when I go on my job, which is predominantly white people, I got a code switch. Right. That's what some people do, right? So I on my job I got a code switch. And then when I go in the grocery store. I got to make sure my kids act a certain way. Oh, when it, and yeah. so it's literally every, yeah. look at this. This is almost, and then when we come home, we turn on a TV show, we're looking at white people, right? And then when we read a book, it's written by a white person. And this is what I'm talking about. Then now, because this is what worship really gets at, right? Not just, in the, the time of worship, but the what you deal your daily reverence, your daily respect. That's what true worship is, right? Right. This is when I'm talking about worshiping God, worshiping whiteness, worshiping a white God. Woo. Man, brother, it's it's amazing because I, I I've been thinking about that for a long time. I just never been able to kind of articulate it in that in that sense. Because you're right, it's like man, if everything is embossed with whiteness, and you're absolutely right, it's like there's a sense of power. Like we're always offsetting whiteness. Like oh, you can't talk that way, and don't don't right. come with that base to your to your to your boss, or don't come with that tone. Right? It's like you know, as as black folk, we're always told right. Come with your, your your white voice, you know. Then you go to the job interview. Don't don't do this. Don't don't act a certain way. It's like even when, and and we do it to ourselves. It was like even when I remember we were we were up for review at AAR and for our critical approaches to hip hop. And one of the comments was that oh well, not everybody was like dressed professionally, you know. And they you know it's like these weeks this is a professional conference and everything. And I was just like. Yeah, I was like, I don't know about that. I think we got to begin to look broader beyond what we consider so quote unquote. Approaches to hip hop. Yeah, I was just like, you know, that's that's. I was like, that's not hip hop at all, right? And that's what I was saying. I was just like, you know, this this notion of what professionalism is, you know, really stems out of a white white. We're gonna we're gonna act a certain way. We're gonna talk a certain way. We're gonna behave. We're not gonna be rowdy and all those things. And so. 
it, it, you know, and but but that's just it. That's one example of, of of again we reinforce these 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 capillaries, if you will, of of power and structure all around us, and so it becomes. Whew, it becomes it's it's a lot. It's overwhelming, and like you said, it's, going back to what right, you, a lot overwhelming. Doesn't that sound like a god? <laughs> exactly. All exactly. So our beliefs, our theology is white. Our worship, oh, you're supposed to worship, worship a certain way. Our worship in church is white. The way the church service is supposed to go is white. Right. This is every area. Exactly. No, exactly, man. So it does. It begs the question because it's like you're swimming in it. And you, when you begin to finally notice that you're wet, you're just like, wait, everything's wet. I thought it was just my feet at first. But now it's my shorts, it's my body, my whole goddamn body. Like, what? Where? Where did all this stuff come from? And it's and and it's it's jarring uh, to be in that sense and to be in that state uh, because there is something comforting about thinking, "Well, I'm just going to go to church. I'm going to pray to God, yeah. and God's going to work it out." You know. <laughs> um. Oh, brother, this is woo. This is uh. So I do want to close with with this, um, which is which is we can close on a, a good note. Okay, come on. Um, we can close with what many of our ancestors, while they said, they asked that question, they basically conclude, a lot of them concluded by saying that God is black, mm. right? Yeah. Which, if we think about it that way, right, then our blackness isn't ugly or what What he said, he said um, darkness, right? Right, it's not this darkness in a uh it's not evil, right? But it's beautiful. Mm. Right? That's why that's why wow. James Brown, but James Brown say oh, I'm black is beautiful, right? Say it loud. Oh, no, that's what James said. I say, say it loud, I'm black and I'm proud. Wow. Right. But it's not like he was preaching though, right? Right. Shimon. <laughs> but he pretty <laughs> you can pretty much say he was. No, he was. He was because now your blackness is beautiful. And now you can see the image. Now you can see God in your very own image. And now you can start to reconceptualize what is evil, like we were talking about earlier. What is evil? What is good? What is what is wholeness? What is healing? What is restoration? Right? What is freedom? Right? Now you can have a, a liberatory mindset where you don't need to have a nice and neat theological pa package that answers all the questions. Right. But one that messes with the grades. Right. Right. One that they can find trust and wholeness and community. Right. One that brings repossession. Right. Mm. And healing with the reconnection to the power source. Right. So even if we can't get back to Africa, we can reconnect in community. Yeah. And we can build each other up and affirm each other and love each other and say, yo, fam, yo, bro. Like Dan, it's good to see you, man. Y'all shout out, and y'all don't know this, but Dan does a lot of work behind the scenes. <laughs> Way back in 2013, my wife reached out to Dan, and Dan sent me a birthday surprise. <laughs> I remember that, man. I remember that. And that's what I'm talking about, yo. There's beauty in that. I feel There's you. There's wholeness in that. I feel you. And that's what can really build us up. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. Well, I like that, man. That's and that's I think that's in the midst of all of this evil. 
that's where I feel like the goodness comes out, right? It's like Tupac yeah. said, the rose that grew from concrete. And it's just mm. like, yeah, we can look at the individual. But I also think that love and community has to come out of that. Um, and like for me, it's just like, you know, I don't have a lot of community. So it's like I've appreciated the connections with you and other folks like yourself because I feel like, okay, we can genuinely talk about things and not there isn't that sense of, I don't know, competitiveness, if you will, you right. know, because you know the academy, right? And and that's you don't another, act white. Right. <laughs> you don't gotta serve the white guy. Right. Right. And then and the, you know, and that's the another part of just the kind of this competitive nature that Eurocentricity brings, right? It's like we all have to be, you know, just striving and striving, and there can only be one, right? Kind <laughs> of like this Highlander yeah. thing. Um and you know, all of our competition series are like that, right? You think about, you know, the finals, NBA finals, NFL, you know, the the World Series. There can only be one. But I'm just like, that for me is not, that's not sustainable. It's like, if I'm warring against you, that's not Ooh. sustainable. Um, but I, I, I'm going to lean into that, brother. That's a good word. That's a good word, man. I appreciate you, Doc. I appreciate yeah, you and, 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 and what you're doing and what you're working through, man. Where can folks find you, man? I know you've been on before and you've said it, but, you know, what are, you know, folks who want to bring you out. Maybe they're just like, hey. We can we can get this brother out here. Maybe we got a full tenured uh, position for you already, <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, that'd be dope, man. But yeah, on all the all the social medias, Hood Scholar, Doctor Hood Scholar. You can find me. Yep, Doctor Hood Scholar. That's it. Okay. All right, and I'll put all those in the show notes. You are also the editor in chief of the Journal of Hip Hop Studies, brother. Yeah, man. Yeah. So if those scholars listening, man, get submit your papers to the journal, man. I mean, I think. You know, the, we we got a space. I think we got to use that space. And, and I just yeah. want to encourage cats, you know, to put your stuff and your material in the rather than going, I ain't nothing against the you know, journal right, popular right. culture, journal musicology. Bring your stuff to the Journal of Hip Hop Studies. And build on the field. You're not the first writer about hip hop. That's, that's <laughs> right. That's <laughs> right. Oh, man. Thanks for, thanks for sharing your thoughts, brother. I appreciate you. Yeah, bro. All right, man.